The Vikings schedule is out. There's a couple things we can learn from it, and also a whole bunch of stuff about Jaquel and Roy. Welcome to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. And a special shout out to my hashtag everydayers. Sound off if you can. Uh, you can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including YouTube uh, or any audio platform or Amazon Fire or Roku. If you have those, you can just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Uh, today is schedule release day. Uh, a, a bigger deal for some than others. Uh, I'm definitely not somebody that freaks out too much about it. Although, hey, if you're waiting to make travel plans or whatever, that info is out. Uh, so go nuts. But there are a couple of things worth analyzing here. I'm not going to do like a game-by-game game schedule prediction or whatever. I don't think that that's a really fruitful exercise. Um, it's like doing a March Madness bracket. <laughs> you know, it's like this is going to get screwed up before uh, anybody, like by two seconds into it. So unless you got an office pool going or something, you're making something out of it. It's not really going to be informative. Uh, but there are a couple things that we can say about the schedule that are um, at least interesting enough. But most of the show is going to be about Jaquel and Roy, a little bit about his story, and then an interview, another interview with Locked On LSU's Caroline Fenton. So let's get into the schedule. Um, the Vikings will open with a home noon game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Love to open at home, love to open with a noon game and all that stuff. Uh, in fact, you know, look, there's a lot of noon games, but... There are also five primetime games. Uh, that's something that you might be interested to know. There's a Thursday nighter at Philadelphia. That's week two. Uh, they also are going to play a Monday night game against the 49ers. Sunday night game uh, at Denver. And then they've got a couple of night games against Green Bay and Chicago near the end of the season. So that should all be Really fun. A couple of primetime games in a row, too. Week 11, week 12, those are slated to be primetime games. Um, they start flexing them by week 12, though. So it's like the Vikings and Bears aren't good or whatever. That might get flexed out, but we'll see. Um, what I'm usually looking for when it comes to the schedule, because we've known the opponents for a while, like the Vikings play a first place schedule. Um, I think that's an overblown thing a little bit. Like it, it, it does affect a few games. But the Vikings share a schedule game for game with the entire division outside of three games in the rotation, right? The two teams from the division you aren't playing all of, but, you know, everybody is playing the entire NFC South, right? Uh, the Vikings play the Eagles and 49ers where other teams will get the, you know, the Seahawks and Cowboys or whatever. Um, so there's those two, those two games, and then the new game, the 17th game that they just expanded it to, we get the Bengals, other teams get the, the Ravens or Steelers or whatever. Those three games are the big difference. And that's, so that's a three of 17, that's it. And that gets mitigated by the fact that we are a first place team. The Vikings are a first place team, and we do not have to play the Vikings twice. I guess 
in a manner of speaking, would play against the Vikings 17 times if you think about it. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. So, you know, the the Packers or Bears who get to play slightly weaker teams in the other divisions also have to play the Vikings, who theoretically should be a better team. Um, after all, they won the division, right? Or by that same logic. Now, will the Vikings be the same team they were last year? Who's to say? But you would also say that about like every team, right? Who, who's to say the Cowboys won't be the best team in the NFC East this year and the Vikings lucked out or something like that, right? I, I don't know. I wouldn't pick it, but who knows, right? Um, so I, I think that whole thing is a little bit overblown, and I wouldn't freak out too much about like strength of schedule. What I'm looking for is travel, time zones and stuff, how much of a challenge is that going to be? The Vikings don't tend to have to travel a lot unless they're going internationally, which they are not this year. Um, but because, you know, the Minnesota is nice and central, the trip is never going to be that crazy. You look like the Seahawks have to travel the most in the league every year because they have to go so far for each away game. There's not a lot of teams around the Seattle area. Like, look at a map, right? Um, but the the two road trips the Vikings have, and when I say road trips, I mean like back-to-back road games, right? They have back-to-back road games twice. There's no threefers. Uh, it's actually pretty every other throughout the whole schedule, which is interesting. But they go, uh, they have one that's Green Bay and then Atlanta. So the travel there is not too bad at all. Uh, and then they have one that is Las Vegas, which I believe is Western time zone, right? Um and then the next game they play at Cincinnati, which is Eastern time zone. So that might be a little bit difficult, but not too shabby. And what's huge here, no cold games except Cincinnati in December. That'll probably be pretty cold. Uh, but otherwise, that you know, you're not looking at like famous inclement weather places. You're not going to Buffalo in December. You're not going to Lambeau or Soldier Field in December. The Vikings, I think, had to do all of the well, uh, November. I think was the Bills game, but you know, they had to do all that stuff. They had to go on the road later, rain, weird weather, and stuff. It feels like the Vikings are maybe uh, dodging that a little bit. They go to Denver in November. That'll be a little chilly, uh, and you know, there's always kind of the chance of rain or or snow or whatever. Every time you know you go play outdoors, uh, but getting that game in November feels pretty good. You know, getting the Lambo game in the last couple of days of October. Uh, you know, go, going to Soldier Field in October as well. Those games being um, hopefully a little bit warmer weather should be nice. So, honestly, that's that's all I think you really need to worry about. If you're booking travel, go go at it. Um, kind of interesting. You're going, uh, you're you're rounding out the season with Lions, Packers, Lions. So you play the Lions three times in or two times in three weeks. That's interesting. Uh, but you know, it's also interesting. You know, rounding out the season at Detroit Lions, decent enough chance it's a game for the division. The Lions are favored to win it. Uh, the Bears, Packers, and Vikings, depending on what sports book you go to, are sort of all in a group with each other. So they're, they're, that game could be really, really important. Or I don't know, then somebody could fall apart. Who knows? And that's, again, why this like deep schedule analysis is something that doesn't capture me as much. Because we just don't have a great idea about how good teams are. Some teams that we are sure are going to be good are going to suck. Someone's quarterback gets hurt. Someone's quarterback breaks out who wasn't supposed to. It's just always the way it goes. So... We'll see. I mean, look, we know the Chiefs game will be tough, uh, but I don't know. Maybe Patrick Mahomes isn't playing that game for some reason. Happened last time the Vikings played the Chiefs. It's not that crazy to imagine. Um, So instead of trying to bog you down with, well, I think this one's a win and that one's a loss and this one's a win and that one's a loss and to be the 938th person to tell you that I think the Vikings will go 11 and 6, 
uh, I'll spare you that fakeness, <laughs> I, uh, that lack of authenticity. And instead, um, we'll go to the Everyman series and continue it with Jaqueline Roy, who's next on the docket, a little bit about his story and some info from Caroline Fenton. But before I get to that, uh, let me talk to you about the clutchest thing in my kitchen right now, which is Built Bar uh, in my pantry. I have been trying to be a little better and trying to take my health a little bit more seriously. And that means watching what I eat a little bit more, counting calories a little bit. Um, but look, I, I'm weak and I still get chocolate cravings. So that's where Built Bar comes in. When it's late at night, like when I record, <laughs> it's usually deep in the night and I want something to kind of tide me over. Um, Built Bar is there. It's 130 calories, so it's not screwing up my whole day, even though I'm eating it late at night. Um, four grams of sugar, like 17 grams of protein. Those are good numbers for a snack that tastes like a candy bar that's covered in 100% chocolate and comes in crazy flavors like cookies and cream and cookie dough puff and churro or whatever. And you can get all that stuff at Built.com, by the way, as well as some specialty flavors that are limited edition that just kind of pop out every once in a while. But you can also go to a local Walmart or Sam's Club and uh, still get some interesting boxes with interesting flavors in there, and you don't have to wait for shipping. But if you'd rather have it delivered straight to your door, always an option. That is at built.com. Thank me later. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day, and another shout-out to my hashtag, Everydayers. I want to start this next story around Baton Rouge, Louisiana, somewhere, I'll call it 2009. I don't have a great date on this particular anecdote, but uh, an eight-year-old Jaqueline Roy and a much older teammate of his are pushing an SUV. I couldn't find the context behind that, but I don't know, maybe a car broke down or something, and they're, they're pushing it along the road. And his teammate, the older one, slips and falls down. Jaqueline Roy just keeps pushing. And much to the surprise of Jaqueline and Roy's family, he can push the SUV. He's eight, and he can do this. And the reason his teammate is like three years older than him is because he's so much bigger than the rest of his cla classmates, he's actually playing up a grade. And he would do that uh, for most of his childhood when he would play football. He, he played up a grade because he was just this huge dude. Um, yeah, nose tackle out of LSU. That's how a lot of these stories start. As you go, oh my God, this dude is eight years old and he looked like he could beat you up. Um, but at, at least as his family describes him, and he might hate this, but as his family describes him, a little bit, a bit of a softy, <laughs> a little sensitive. Um, you know, they would tussle his hair and kind of treat him like that. Like you treat the youngest and that can get frustrating. I super relate to that. Um, this is like the youngest in like my kind of group, my age group of cousins all the time growing up, you kind of be the youngest in the room. And, and there is a certain authority that like everybody else in the room has over you and you start, um, yeah, I, I get it. You know, um, it's something that I can definitely relate to, but for Jaquel and Roy, it sort of drives him, you know, the everything is is very personal every loss is a this personal thing and and you know imperfections in his game that hurts he would be you know super irate after he'd had a bad game or after he would he would lose a game and that drove him to try to iron out every inconsistency and as you read how he handles every little challenge it is very detail oriented um 
and every tiny little thing he's aware of and and it matters and i think some of that is is born of sort of being hyper aware of yourself all the time growing up i don't know maybe i'm just grafting too much of my own personal experience onto him but what are you going to do um he's also very like loyal to the louisiana area uh big lsu kid went to lsu camps as a kid and all that um so he like really quickly committed committed to lsu uh and then he sort of had second thoughts and he started thinking well maybe i did that too fast maybe i should really look at other schools and and really weigh my options and so he decommits and he weighs his options and then he's like hey yeah i'll I'll be a tiger (laughs) and he had this like whole signing day party where he was with like this big reveal and there's like a tiger on the couch uh like a stuffed tiger and it's like He's an LSU dude through and through. He's going to go be an LSU Tiger. And so that's uh, that's the case. He commits as part of the class of 2020. Same as Jay Ward. But, you know, it doesn't start the way he wants it to. Uh, for one, that's 2020, right? Weird year to start your college career. Um, but also, he only plays in nine games his freshman year. He doesn't start any of them. He only starts one game his sophomore year. For a four-star recruit, he was the second most hyped-up guy in that recruiting class of 2020 for Ed Orgeron's LSU Tigers. The number one guy was Keishon Booty, who was a five-star recruit, if I remember. Um, but for Jaquel and Roy, that, I don't know, I, I, you're a four-star recruit, maybe you expect a little bit more. Maybe the team expected a little bit more from him. Um, I don't think that's crazy, too crazy of a thing. But, you know, who knows what, what kind of expectations there are. And at any rate, headed into his third year of college, which was last year, uh, he changes positions. He goes, he was playing three technique for the most part. Uh, and then he moves to nose tackle, which is not a crazy position change, but it's something a little bit more of a, a different technique, lining up against centers instead of guards a little bit more. And you have to bulk up a little bit, which is kind of funny because throughout Jaquel and Roy's whole like experience, um, keeping weight off was kind of a goal where, I mean, when he was younger and he wasn't taking his diet as seriously and stuff, there was some bad weight, so we kind of had to shed that and then try to bulk up uh, a little bit more when he got into college with with some like more real muscle. Um, by the time he comes out, he's 315. That's a great weight. Uh, but, you know, he's he's like tasked with bulking up and sort of retooling his technique. But to hear him talk about it, it's like an opportunity to sort of reset some of the things he didn't like with his footwork and um, something different he does with his hand and and all this really cool technique stuff that I kind of wish I knew more about defensive line technique. That's one that I would see as a weakness for me right now. Um, But, you know, for for Jaquel and Roy, that that attention to detail is so apparent every time you, you see a quote or hear him talk that uh, you can kind of see why that worked out. That nose tackle, which is a very detail, like technique and detail is really important at nose tackle. Like at a certain point, you're just kind of trying to hold a spot and you know how, how big of a dude are you, right? But it, it, tell that to an actual defensive tackle and they'll look at you like your head screwed on backwards because there's so many little nuances and details that have to come with the way you set up and your first steps and and the way you attack and where you put your hands and all that stuff um and i think that part of it is where jaquel and roy really found his game there is i guess something to the idea of reinventing yourself 
where, okay, this isn't working. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I could probably fix it. But now here is an opportunity to be a totally new and better version of me. Um, and I think that that's really cool. And that is what gets Joaquel and Roy ultimately good enough final season to get drafted in the fifth round by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, for more on Joaquel and Roy, though, and a much closer perspective than what I can know, you know, researching after the fact, let us turn it over to Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU. Keeping it going here with Locked On Vikings chatting with Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU. You can go check her out wherever you listen to this show. Uh, let's talk about Jaqueline Roy. This is, I, I think, a pick that a lot of people were a lot more excited about. I think he fell further than people thought, so people like are really stoked on the value. Um, but I honestly, I don't know a lot about him. I just know that he's like a big defensive tackle, which describes most defensive tackles. So well, what's the broad strokes? Yeah, they're all big, aren't they? Um, yeah. and Roy, he is one of those anomalies that I look at. When you look at a guy, a, a defensive tackle, even an offensive lineman, and you're like, you are a massive human being. How in the world can you move like that? Like he's almost like a 300 pound ballerina. He is so athletic. He can move around so quickly and with so much ease. And I always look at, you know, you want speed on your team. And that doesn't come with just speed in your feet. That doesn't come with just being a 4 440. That's guys that know exactly what their assignment is and can do it right off of the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what Jacqueline and Roy can do. Even if he's not the biggest guy out there, even if he's not the most well named out there. He'll be able to beat you because he's just going to get there quicker. Um, and he's, you know, he's been a, a not a, a staple of this LSU defensive line for the longest period of time. You know, 2022 was really the only season that he was a consistent starter. You know, he'd seen a good bit of work the entirety of his career. You know, he played in several games as a true freshman, um, but wasn't a consistent starter until 2022. So I think that's one thing that you have to keep in mind with Joaquin and Roy is there's going to be some refining that needs to be done that you would expect gotcha. with a late round pick or a UDFA. Um, so he's going to have a little bit of work to do to get acclimated to the, to the next level. But I think he's just the kind of guy that all of the tools are there just needs a little bit more experience since he's only been a starter and has one year of consistent starting. That makes sense. And, and I, I think I want to circle back to that. But first, I, I just want to ask, where did he line up? Was he a, a, like a zero tech or did he go out to the, to the tackles a little more? Interior, really on the interior. And, you know, you kind of cross over a couple different defensive schemes with Edwards run and with Brian Kelly, but he's an mm -hmm. interior guy. He's not going to be, um, you know, you're not going to see him on the outside very much. He's not going to be an edge rusher. You're not going to see him consistently on the outside as a tackle. Gotcha. So yeah. when you, when you talk about refinement, um, can you get more specific in terms of like, what are the things that you think at least he could stand to learn to like succeed at the NFL level? Yeah, I would say it's just getting more reps going up against really big offensive linemen and going up often against offensive linemen okay. that are some of the top, top of the best in the league. Because I think sometimes we saw 
Jaqueline Roy would struggle a little bit since he can play so many snaps. Like I said, he is so agile. He is so athletic. He can be out there and play several, several snaps. But I think it's just mm -hmm. going to take him a little bit of time to get up to the speed of the game, being so used to playing so many snaps and being able to stay out there for so long for a good chunk of the game. I think it's going to take Jaquel and Roy a little bit of time to say, okay, wait, now I can't do this. I can't perform at the same level or with the same longevity that I did at the college level, just because my assignments and what I'm going to be asked to be doing and the, the offensive linemen that I'm going up against are just that much more difficult. Right. And, and maybe you can kind of say, look, we love your stamina, but we maybe want to give you these kind of tools that, that make you better at beating these guys. And it's okay for, you know, I mean, defensive tackles rotated in and out all the time. Those are big dudes to be running around. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think Jaquel and Roy also, you know, that defensive line as a whole, as a unit, it was a group that knew each other very well. It was a group that what they were veterans, even given, you know, lack of starting experience for Jaquel and Roy, he had still been in that locker room for a long time and had a lot of in-game experience. So I think that Jaquel and Roy and, you know, the guys on, on, on his right and left and Ali Gay and BGO Jalari, they were cornerstones of that defensive line, mm -hmm. that LSU defensive line. They were leaders, they were veterans, and they were also pretty darn good players. So I think that might be a little bit of a learning curve for him as well, just getting acclimated um, to a different defensive line and different teammates and just kind of learning a new system. And then last thing, I'll do the, I'll kind of wrap this out the same way. What's something about Jaquel and Roy that I'm not going to be able to learn just by watching him play that I should know about? Yeah, that's a really good question. Ah, uh, I, I struggle with that a little bit more. I would say, you know, same thing with Jaquel and Roy, you know, the kind of guy that you want in your locker room. He loves football. He's not going to be the kind of guy that gets in a bunch of trouble. Uh, I would say that Jay Ward was probably a little bit more of um, an obvious leader, at least me looking from the outside looking in. I would say Jaquel and Roy is one of those people, at least from my interpretation, and this is more of an off-the-field thing that I do think translates into the locker room and onto the field. He's incredibly loyal. Jaquel and Roy is from Baton Rouge. He went to a high school that's actually on LSU's campus. Jaquel and Roy could have gone to virtually any school in the country, and he decided to stay at LSU. That's something that LSU covets a whole lot with a lot of in-state players, is keeping the top talent in-state. Jaquel and Roy could have left LSU whenever LSU was going through a trans, uh, you know, a transformational period from Ed Orgeron to a year, you know, the first non-winning season in several years in LSU history. You're going through a coaching turnover, and then you bring in a new coach and Brian Kelly, and it's a completely new culture. It's complete new expectations. Jaquel and Roy could have transferred, and really probably could have gone anywhere in the country that he wanted to go to. And he decided to stick with LSU as did several of these veteran players decided to stay at LSU. But I think that with Jaquel and Roy, that was something that uh, was really emphasized with him considering he is a hometown kid, considering he did have so many options and considering that he did want to stay at LSU. I would say that's something that, that does stand out to me is the loyalty of Jaquel and Roy and just the love and adoration to be a good football player. It's it's going to be really interesting in the college ranks. I think the next few years, as we learn just how much the the NIL deals can be, like how many players are going to really like actually go for. I mean, that's what Jordan. I just uh, got finished talking to someone about Jordan Addison. Yeah, who did, yeah. I mean, it was all money. He just did that. I mean, he was a pit guy. It was his whole deal. But I can't, you're not going to turn that down, you know. Especially you can and get hurt at any time. That'll screw your draft stock. Like who knows. 
And I do look at like this quarterback class, for example, would Bo Nix have left Oregon if not for NIL? Would Sam Hartman have just gone to the mm -hmm. to the league and not have transferred to Notre Dame if it weren't for money? I mean, I have no idea, mm -hmm. but I have a pretty good idea that if you're looking at it saying, hey, I'll be a six or seven round draft pick, I can make X amount of dollars. I can do that and stay where I am and have a lot more fun doing it and maybe improve my draft stock for next season. So it is kind of interesting to see the, the changes in, in the cycles now that there's money attached to it. Crazy how that works, isn't it? Exactly. A day three pick, your NL money's probably blowing out what the NFL is going to do for you. So I wonder if kids are going to start coming out a little bit older as well. But I guess we just have to uh, wait and see. Caroline, thank you so much for giving yeah. me your time and chatting with about these uh, LSU defense players. Super interesting yeah, guys. Yeah, Staying in purple Absolutely. and gold. Take care of them for me. As as good as you've taken <laughs> care of uh, of Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll have... Gritties are everywhere now. Everybody on the Vikings does a gritty thing now. Who doesn't gritty now? I mean, it's, a, it's global. Yeah. It's going it's global. global. <laughs> it is global. All right, Caroline, uh, let people know where and find you if they want to listen to stuff about LSU more. Yeah, you can find me at Locked on LSU wherever you listen to podcasts. We are also on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One. Thanks again for Caroline, who uh, broke down a couple players for us here. We did uh, Jay Ward earlier in the week as well. Um, again, you can check her out at Locked on LSU uh, wherever you're listening to this show. You can find that show as well. I will see you all next week. And as always, Skull.